even though I had spent all of this time, you know, eating healthy food and and working in this business and understanding, I thought really well, kind of how my system was operating and things that are good and things that are not good. It's just not that black and white. Welcome to the HGW Podcast. We're your hosts, Zoe Sakutis and Erica Huss, founders of Blueprint Cleanse, the iconic juice brand that sparked a multi-billion dollar category. We bootstrapped, scaled, and sold, and now we're moving on. We put down the juicer and picked up the mic to start a conversation. We'll bring you behind-the-scenes information on leading brands and emerging ideas in this rapidly evolving world of wellness. Every Wednesday, we chat with experts or entrepreneurs who help us cut through the noise and bring you information you can actually use. No shaming, no guilt, just the cold-pressed truth about real ways you can feel better, mentally, physically, and emotionally. And bonus, we even share our often humiliating personal experiences, all in the name of your wellness journey. Clinical studies have shown that writing five-star reviews improves mood and circulation. So if you like what you hear, give us some love and share with a friend. Often irreverent and occasionally intuitive, consider us your navigators on the bumpy highway to well. Good after, yes. Hi. Hi. Hey. Good morning. Good morning. Good day. It's still morning. It's whatever it is. It's morning somewhere. We're doing something a little different today. Yeah. Because yeah, we yeah. got rave reviews after our last minisode. People just said, Zoe, Erica, we want more of you. Oh, we want to hear the real story. Did we get rave reviews, Erica? Did people just... I mean, from the five people who... I got, my I, five friends that actually listen regularly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I got a few handwritten notes. Did you? I got a carrier pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> my friend sent me something even better than a handwritten note in the mail. What did you get in the mail? Yeah, speaking of how nice it is to get handwritten notes, uh, Sarah, I won't say her last name. My good, my good friend Sarah from Los Angeles sent a post-operative package, uh, a care package, mm-hmm. full, chock full of CBD and THC goodies. Yum. So like tinctures and mints. Just and right into your doorstep. All that stuff. Yeah, very, you know, very... Modest ratios of THC to CBD. Right, right. Nobody's going off the deep end. No, nobody's going off the deep end. I'm not, I've never really been a, I've never been a marijuana person. Yeah, cannabis as now we're calling it. Right, it's a little bit more sophisticated, less stigma. Yes. That's right. Uh, So, but I think that this sort of milder, cleaner version is quite pleasant, you know? In the mints and tinctures and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And... I I have to say it helps a lot just mentally if I'm feeling a little bit anxious. Yeah. Helps me just like calm the F down a little bit. Yeah. So you're using it mostly for not necessarily pain, no. but just so for... No. She, she... Because I'm not really having any pain. So I had a little bit of a surgery about six weeks ago. More on God, that later. Six weeks ago. Yeah. Six weeks ago today. Oh, wow. Or yesterday. Thank you. Glad you're here. Let the healing begin. <laughs> But it's a long ass recovery. Anyway, it was so gnarly that in the hospital and immediately after they put me on some really heavy narcotics, yeah. super addictive Valium and, you know, uh, Percocet and Dilaudid all that stuff. And all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, and they had to. It was excruciatingly painful. Yeah. So when I got home, I just went off of them, even though I had a well, year long supply. Thanks in part to who? Thanks in part to 
Erica also got me a tincture. <laughs> that was like but an I, emergency tincture like sent across town. It is. So actually, so uh, so this is what happened. <laughs> I was I was in the hospital for two nights getting the surgery and then I was picked up by my husband and it was late at night because he was late. God bless him. He was late. It was about 8.30 and I get in the car and the first thing I ask him is, please tell me you picked up my prescription because I'm in still, I'm in so much pain. It's crazy. I'll just, as a snapshot, I have 200 stitches in my stomach. So it was no joke. But anyway, so he was, oh my God, I totally <laughs> forgot. He's like, I totally forgot. I Because I, I stopped at Erica's house to pick up this gift that she got you. And he like holds up this paper bag with a little blue <laughs> fucking tincture bottle in it. Uh, uh, it's a dropper. It's a CBD THC dropper, which is a beautiful and thoughtful gift. But I almost hit him over the head with course. it. Of course. Oh, where's the narcotics? <laughs> this is not going to do it, dude. <laughs> so I made him go back inside the hospital and beg and plead with the on-call doctor because they don't just hand that stuff out no, willy-nilly. Like seriously it's controlled substances. Really controlled. Yeah. So it was like pulling teeth to get it. And then I only took it for like two more days and then it was done, thankfully. And I didn't need it. But anyway, so it brings me back to the tinctures and the, H- the CBD and the THC and all that. Yes, Erica gave me a beautiful... That was your gateway dropper. It was a gateway dropper, but I didn't even I didn't even dip into it until two weeks later. Yeah. And I did, I, I did it probably, you know, like I didn't really need... I didn't even need Tylenol. It was fine. But I did try it with Chris and it was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> we were just dying laughing. It was That's good. Really Laughter, as they say, is the best medicine. It really it even is. fixes surgery. I mean... I, although it did hurt my stomach, I was going to say laugh. when he was asking, was you know, like, was there, what Ow. can we is it what can we get her some you know some bud or some pens? And I was like, anything that inhales that's going to make her cough is out of the question. No, yeah, that's painful. And so that was how we arrived at the drops. I was not anticipating them being as funny as they were, so I did not think that some g- it was <laughs> some funny giggles were going to actually bust a stitch. It was funny, man. But yes, laughter is certainly the best medicine. And now I have. Uh, you got a whole a lot of laughter. Lifetime supply. So if anybody wants to come over and have, <laughs> have a, a laugh. Few giggles. Have a laugh. <laughs> Let's do it. Anyway, why am I talking about that? Well, because we were talking about this little intro into the conversation we're going to have today, which is just the two of us. Mm, we can mm-hmm. make it if we try. Because mm. following our last mini-sode where we kind of talked a little bit about what we've learned from our guests and the conversations that we've had on the podcast so far, we actually thought that maybe it would be a good opportunity to now share what we've learned about ourselves. And I think the big header is kind of, we've both had some kind of, you know, big revealing moments, what we maybe would call like a wellness wake-up call. And I think a lot of people have probably experienced this. I think it's actually a common thing that you hear when people are telling their story, especially if they're people in the wellness businesses. You know, I didn't know how sick I was until I until X happened and then it changed everything for me. I didn't know how bad I felt until I started feeling better because I made these changes. Or in certain cases, I think as, you know, certainly it was the case for me and it's also the case for you in a different way. You have this like wake up call where all of a sudden, even when you think you're doing all of the right things because you're like a quote wellness person or even just like 
generally taking care of yourself and feeling pretty good, there's just like a lot more that can be revealed mm-hmm. under the surface. Yeah, that's so true. So true. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, it's definitely a tricky thing to navigate. And even if you're trying and, you know, all of the new whatever trend, it's hard to figure out what works for you. And maybe even increasingly more difficult now because there are so many different things to explore. So right. you have to like go through a laundry list of ways of eating now. And, right. and, you know, maybe it's not always just diet, but just speaking about diet, it's like, you know, sometimes people don't even know what they're allergic to now, right. but we know enough to know that we might be having a response to something. So, you know, whether it's autoimmune or just whatever general allergy, it's like just to do an elimination diet to mm. figure out what that allergy is. Uh, sometimes ignorance is bliss. <laughs> Sure. Or maybe not so much, but uh, it's hurting yeah. you Unless you end up in the hospital yeah. because you're a bit ignorant. All right. So let's talk a little bit about your wake-up call, Erica. It is... When was it? It was what, about it, 2019 now. Yeah, it was four years ago. Four years almost, ago. Almost exactly. Your scar is quite healed. It is quite healed. It's looking good. Now mine's way bigger than yours. <laughs> I win. Uh, yeah, we're going to have a scar party. Yeah, it was four years ago. And Tell me the story. It was basically, I've alluded to it in past conversations that we've had. And, you know, I've made reference to the fact that my stomach exploded. And unfortunately, that's actually not an exaggeration because that's really what happened. So basically, right after my 40th birthday, I actually spent my, like the day after my 40th birthday it, in the urgent care in ER or in the ER because I was having this like strange burning sensation, I guess, up. It was sort of hard to pinpoint exactly where it was. It was kind of below my heart, above my stomach, but it was like this weird breathing thing that I was having. And I couldn't put my, I couldn't describe it. I couldn't really put my finger on it. I went to see my doctor. And at the time, because I was on birth control, she was concerned that it was potentially like a lung, because you can have like a blood clot issue when you're on birth control pretty easily, or that's Mm -hmm. like a common thing. So she was worried. She sent me straight to the ER to get scans and whatever. So they did a CAT scan, an X-ray. and your chest. Yeah, of my chest Mm -hmm. and like that whole area. And nothing nothing showed up. And it was basically just this kind of, every time I inhaled, I felt like, uh, you know, this sort of burning sensation and it wasn't really heartburn. I've never really had heartburn. I've generally always just been, you know, like a good constitution. I mean, learned after the fact upon reflection that I've had some digestive issues for longer than I realized. But again, it was at the end of this whole process that I then looked back and saw all of these little flags along the way. So at that point, you know, this is four years ago. So we've been we've done the blueprint thing. I'm like living, you know, what I think is my healthiest life. And, you know, I'm still, I was like drinking juice, not juicing for long stretches. You know, my raw food diet that I liked, or at least like half the day, you know, eating raw and my whatever. I was checking all of these boxes. And I think a lot of people, my friends certainly would come to me for like advice on health and wellness stuff because that was my business. And that's what I, that's what I knew. You know, I knew about food and the foods that help you heal and feel make you feel good versus the ones that are not going to do you any favors and blah, blah, blah. All of that to say, like, I'm like a health and wellness person at this point. And anyway, so that was June of that year. And so it, you know, she, I went to see a gastroenterologist at that point and he kind of did like a very 
very vague list of questions. No real, I don't think there was even, there was like a, a there was a, an actual, you know, like he kind of tapped around on my stomach and did some very basic exams, but there was nothing, there was certainly not an endoscopy at that point. There was certainly not even an, whatever the, well, he didn't even do an x-ray at that point. But for those of you who don't know, an endoscopy right. is when they stick that like, very long string that has a camera on the end of it down your throat to look way down the bottom of your stomach. Right. It's highly invasive. It's really unpleasant. I just did it last yeah. few months ago, actually. Yeah. Not, not so fun. They put you out. Yeah. They put yeah. you out. They say twilight, but I definitely, You're once out. I actually did it, I was out. But so none of that thing, none of those things happened at that point. And he was basically like, I think this is just like a round of like, you know, a little case of gastritis. Let's put you on a bland diet. Gastritis for sounds so cute, doesn't it? It, it sounds, sounds so cute. So no, it's not going to yeah. bother you. Just have a tummy ache. Yeah. That's all. It's easy. Just have some cheese and, you know, some bland dairy products and white rice and bananas for like two weeks and you'll be fine. That's what they said? Uh-huh. Wait, that was the diet for gastritis? It was for, yeah, it was a bland diet, basically. That's okay. what they recommended. Right. So I did that for like a week and I, you know, I guess I felt okay. It wasn't really, I didn't spend any more time thinking about it. So fast forward to October, I guess. And we were kind of in the midst of... This is four months later. This is four months later. You and I were in the midst of kind of trying to figure out like which way we were going to go with Airzo, which was, Ugh. you know, the business that... We, the aforementioned business. Very uh, stressful time. It was a very, very stressful, stressful time. time. We were like on the he- on the eve of launching the business, basically. Well, either launching or shutting it down. Right. I mean, we were... Well, we were a year in, so we were... Right. right. We didn't know that we were potentially shutting we it were, down. But maybe we knew in our gut. Maybe we did know in our gut. Hey, hey, look at that. You know what I'm saying? So I'm in LA with some friends and on the plane back from LA, I had what I later learned was basically referred pain. But at the time, I thought that I was having this massive muscle spasm slash pinch pinched nerve in my neck because the entire left side of my body just like seized up. I couldn't turn my head. I couldn't move my neck at all. And that's happened to me before, but this was like, it went beyond that. It was like this hot, like metallic pain going all the way up into my shoulder, down the side of my rib cage. And this is like on the plane mid-flight. I was in such agony. My friend was across the aisle and she was like, I don't know what's happening. Like we were both like, we might have to land this plane. Like we didn't know what was going on. The guy in the seat literally right next to me was like, I get pinched nerves all the time. That's what that is. He's like, I have a lidocaine patch in my bag. Do you want it? I will take anything at this point. So he gives me this patch. It puts it on. It didn't really do all that much. I got home from the airport later that night. And I mean, this pain was just, just rippling throughout the entire left side of my body. Like I've never experienced anything like that. So the next day I went to a physiatrist at Hospital for Special Surgery. Not naming names, but I will never recommend this person ever again. A physiatrist? A physiatrist. What's a physiatrist? They specialize there in sports medicine. And because we thought it was musculoskeletal, because it was, it felt like, you know, it was nervy and muscly and all of that. You know, I actually don't know what a physiatrist does specifically, but I know. It doesn't matter because you're not going to ever recommend one. Never going back. But it was my dad's, somebody that he'd been working with and he was available immediately. And so I went and, you know, he kind of poked and prodded around and did some, you know, manipulations. I, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't turn my head. I was in such agony. I remember there was all this traffic. I had to get out of the car and walk and I was literally like one step in front of the other. It took 20 minutes to walk three blocks. And he basically, you know, he assessed me in the course of five minutes and he said, I'm going to put you, he's like, I'm going to put you on a course of steroids. He's like, because that'll reduce the inflammation. I say, fine. Which is not uncommon. It's not uncommon. 
just bringing it back as an example, yeah. I just had the surgery and four weeks later, maybe three or four weeks post-op, I was still just like insanely swollen that he was like, I'm just going to put you on a five-day course of mm-hmm. steroids to deal with the inflammation. Mm-hmm. And it did help. So he it did, it help. was just so willy you know, it was, yes. it's so casual. It's, it's so, so casual. Common. And that's what's yeah. very scary about it. Because honestly, there were a couple of questions that if he had asked, it, it would have changed the course of everything. Are you on, you know, what else are you taking? Are you, are you taking NSAIDs right now? Are you taking ibuprofen? They didn't ask that? They didn't ask. Is there any chance that you have an ulcer? Didn't ask that. Didn't do any scans for anything. It was really just to address the pain, which by the way, was at like an 11. So I, I was willing to, like, I couldn't even hear anything besides like, oh, this guy has something that's going to make me feel better. Right. So there are some very real contraindications there. That's, that's exactly right. So, and you just went ahead and took them. I went ahead and took it mm-hmm. because never in my life have I had any kind of history of, you know, certainly any internal issues. And I, you know, I've taken ibuprofen you know, since I'm in high school for well, like- people take ibuprofen and for, Tylenol like it's freaking candy. When they sneeze, I know. And that's the other reason that I'm here to tell you. Too frequently and too much. Yes. So, I mean, one is the recommended dosage, but Everybody I don't know anybody two. that takes one. Everybody takes I two. I know. I, I'm, like the, I'm like the Advil police. I'm like, why are you taking yeah. two? Two, sometimes three for someone. terrible cramps. And yeah. like, there are doctors that'll say prescription strength ibuprofen is basically the equivalent of four Advil. Yeah. It's a huge dose. Yeah. So, but sometimes you do need it if you're having a serious infl- you know, right. inflammatory response to something. And if you know that you don't have any underlying issues in your system right. that that could trigger, then you're fine. Right. But sort the point like, is, you got to kind of know. Yeah. So, you know, none of this is like really sitting right with me at that point. Going back to what had happened in June with my stomach, I'm like, I'm not convinced that this guy knows exactly what's going on with me because I know that like my body has never felt like this before. Same thing when I'm being addressed for this pinched nerve. I'm like, this just doesn't feel right, but let's go ahead and try these steroids because I can't actually function. I'm in so much pain. And in the meantime, I mean, I remember coming over here, sitting, trying to like work. I'm like on ice packs, propped up on the floor. I couldn't move. I was basically like paralyzed. I was in so much pain. So I take the steroids for five days and literally nothing happens. Pain Mm -hmm. does not go away. It doesn't even reduce maybe 10%, maybe, which is very, very, very uncommon. Like at a dose that high, it should have taken the pain. It should have taken care of things. Right. So... That week, the end of that week, it's like a Friday night. I'm at home and I have a couple of girlfriends over and we're having dinner. And I sit down after we, you know, had some wine, whatever. I sit down on the floor to kind of like chit chat. And I feel this like pain in my stomach in the same area that had been, you know, previously inflamed. I, I, I mean, it was like literally like razor blades coming from the inside out. Just this like searing, hot, horrible. And I was like, oh my God, I don't know what this is, but I need to just like go lay down on my bed for a second. And to this day, I'm so grateful that my friends were there because, you know, like we all, when we're not feeling great, but there's nobody around, it's kind of easier just to say like, oh, let me just go back to sleep. Let me try to, let me just try to ride this out. Right. But they were there and they saw, it's like very... It's not like me to leave a dinner party in the middle. <laughs> it's not like anyone to like, no. yeah, it's a, it's a very extreme so, move. To be like, hi, thanks for coming over. Thanks everybody. for I'm coming. Go, I'm just going to go lie down. Yeah. Go to my bedroom now and shut the door. So, right. So someone came in to say goodnight, found me on the bed. I was basically half conscious at that point and they called 911. My at the time, Brian, who was who was my now husband, we were we were living together. He was out. He was not around. So it was just us. They called 911. Paramedics came and took me to the ER very close to my house. And I got there. They gave me like 
I think they gave me morphine. They gave me something crazy for the pain. And then they did a, uh, an ultrasound and they did a CAT scan. And they said, well, we don't see anything you know, unusual in your system. So here's take this Pepsid and go home. And they sent me home with antacid. Okay. <laughs> so that's crazy. An ambulance came and picked me up because I was in so much pain that I couldn't stand up and walk. And yeah. they sent me home with antacid. So the next morning, uh, I mean, I don't think I really slept. I was kind of like in and out of, you know, sleep all night. Next morning, it's like, you know, seven in the morning. I tried to stand up to actually just go to the bathroom because I had to pee. And my stomach is so distended at that point that I looked like, I mean, I looked like I was 11 months pregnant. I'm like bloated out to here. And I, I can't, I can't even stand up. I'm in this much pain. So Brian, who's now there, is going back and forth with a friend of ours who is an ER doc who had been called by my girlfriends the night before and kind of put on alert. He's an ER surgeon. And he's basically saying, okay, whatever they told you and whatever they gave you is 100% incorrect. It sounds to me like you have some sort of perforation in your system. And the reason you are now distended is because you are in sepsis which is basically when your body essentially like leaks. leaks. And mm-hmm. my, if, if this is what it is, then your stomach is leaking acid and you actually should have been in surgery yesterday. Yeah. So we go back to the ER in the neighborhood again. Like I think we, we, didn't, we didn't call an ambulance, but we called a car. And I get in there. They, we said, Brian says, our friend is a surgeon. He says that you need to do, you need to do an x-ray as well. And they do the x-ray and they're like, oh, you do have a perforated ulcer. So complete misdiagnosis the night before. They're like, you need to be in surgery ASAP. So we end up, you know, another ambulance to Midtown. And this is now like whatever time it is in the afternoon. And then it's all a blur. But basically what had happened was I had an ulcer. No one caught it in the first place. That was obviously what had presented in May earlier or in June earlier that year. They didn't do the right tests for it at the time. And endoscopy would have totally taken care of it. So it exacerbated to the point that if you do actually have an ulcer and you take even Advil, let alone Advil and steroids, that is exactly what causes it to perforate. Right. So my stomach literally exploded and I was leaking acid throughout my entire body. Yeah. And I'm going into surgery and they're like, uh, it's too late to do this laparoscopically. So we basically have to go in through your stomach and you're going to have an incision. And depending on the location of this ulcer and what we have to do, you might end up having a bag on the outside of your body for the rest of your life. Are you okay with that? Meaning a bag, like a, like, uh, a, colostomy like a colostomy bag, bag like yeah. basically something to sort of- Poop into. Poop into and mm-hmm. retrie- Like they didn't even know. They didn't know how bad it was. They didn't know where it was. They're asking me this question. I'm like, do I have a choice? And they're like, no, because if we don't do this, you actually are going to die. Like, yeah. Yeah. So that was that was the choice I was given. They're like, would you rather die or poop in a bag? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> um, so as it turned out, none of those things came true because here I am today and all I have is a four-inch scar on my stomach, which is a fucking miracle. Yeah. And I can't actually believe that I came out of it that clearly. But yeah, I was in the hospital for seven days and were it not for my concerned girlfriends and a very smart doctor friend who was able to diagnose this over the phone, even though... NYU Langone couldn't do it with two visits. That's right. We're looking at you, NYU Langone. Yeah, that was my experience. That was terrifying and awful. And yet it kind of like woke me up and I was like, okay, I need to be doing some things differently. Yeah. So now you're a bit woke. I'm a bit woke. And so let's talk about your your woke wellness. I mean, basically since then... So the follow-up treatments I did or the follow-up procedure and, and, and exams 
they couldn't even really get to the bottom of why this happened because it normally an ulcer is caused by this bacteria called H. pylori. They tested mm-hmm. for that immediately. was yeah. not there. I didn't exhibit any of like the lifestyle, you know, factors that contribute, which is my diet was, you know, pretty clean in retrospect, seeing that like, you know, I was certainly dealing with some inflammation. The raw food thing was probably not great for me, but it certainly didn't cause an ulcer. The best that they could arrive at in terms of like an actual cause was ibuprofen, Advil. That combo. Well, that combo was what exacerbated it. Right. But the fact that it presented in the first place, my the GI that I worked with said, you know, some people can take Advil their whole lives and never have anything. Someone else can take it one time and develop an ulcer. You really just never know. Right. All of this kind of pointing to, you really just have to like, you have to listen. And I knew in June that something was wrong and that it was not what they were telling me it was, but I didn't know enough to say like, no, you should do an endoscopy which would have obviously shown it immediately. And it would have taken like 20 minutes. It would have taken 20 minutes and it would have been unpleasant, but it certainly would have been far less unpleasant than what I experienced. And could you imagine if you lived, I mean, right now you're, you're, you're living in New York City. Could you imagine if you lived in like, no, I don't know, some rural area where you did the only, maybe the only hospital that you had access to that was like an hour away or whatever. Once you got there, you met that doctor who misdiagnosed you. Here's some Pepsid, go home. And then you drove two hours and then you had to go to, it's like, I know. you know, it's so dangerous. And had I been home alone that night, I probably wouldn't have gone anywhere because I just would have like, A, I probably would have had the strength and B, I would have just said like, let me sleep this off. Yeah. Maybe I just like. That's so funny how people, when they're on their own, yeah, they're just so much less likely, I think, to call an ambulance because it's like a big deal. I don't want to disturb anyone. Right. What if it's really just, you know. Right. Not and warranted. maybe I'm just like overreacting. Yeah. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm okay. Maybe I'll just sleep this off. Yeah. So again. Obviously, thankfully, I did not do that. But so, yeah, the blessing in all of this was the whole week that I spent in the hospital. My absolutely wonderful, adoring husband, who at the time was my boyfriend, he put all these apps on my phone. I started meditating. That's the first time I ever used Calm and Headspace. And that was like really just to kind of like block out everything that, you know, was going on. And obviously, it slowed things down for me tremendously since I was completely, you know, incoherent for the first 48 hours. I mean, I look back and I see some emails that I sent to you <laughs> with those timestamps. I was like, that was the day after I was in the hot, like that was November 1st. I went in on Halloween. There's no way that I was even remotely equipped to be sending the emails that I sent. No, no, But we no, were no. trying to do so much shit. And then again, it was kind of like, all right, my body is clearly telling me it's time for a timeout. You need to just, <laughs> all the pieces will fall into place where they need to fall. But this is first and foremost of importance. Just need to focus on getting better, getting well. And then, so when I got home, you know, I started doing reflexology. I had this wonderful woman that came over and she was like working on my feet, which, you know, it refers to the pain that was in my shoulder, which by the way, was later discovered that was referred pain from the ulcer. Right. So it it's was- all connected. It's all connected. Yeah. It's like sometimes kind of fascinating. go to my- uh, chiropractor, who's also a kinesiologist. Amazing. Joseph Askenazi. Love him. I'm like, oh, my ankle's hurting. And then he'll be like, okay, let me take a look. And then the next thing I know, he's in my mouth releasing a muscle in my jaw. Yeah. He's like, no, that's actually why that's And then your ankle's hurting. better. And then my ankle's better. I'm like, it this is, is like witchcraft. Fascinating. <laughs> How really our is. systems really just like speak that way to yeah. each other. 
So yeah, it was really, again, after that, I felt like even though I had spent all of this time, you know, eating healthy food and and working in this business and understanding, I thought really well, kind of how my system was operating and things that are good and things that are not good. It's just not that black and white. It's definitely not that prescriptive. I started going to acupuncture and learning that like actually cooked food is way better for me. Mm-hmm. And I started doing you know, more, I I mean, my meditation practice to this day started that, you know, that week in the hospital and really just kind of listening to my system in a totally different way and understanding how interconnected all of this is and direct relationship between how you're treating yourself and how it manifests on the other side. And I've never taken another Advil since then, by the way. And I've also never had reason to. I mean, even if I get like a random, like a wine headache or something now... I do curcumin, I do peppermint oil, I do all of the natural stuff and it works. It works. I have to say, it, it totally is the works. new Advil replacement for me. It's just take as much as that curcumin as you want. Uh-huh. You know, it's like, it's, it's, it's so powerful. And then I'll take like bromelain. Yeah, it really yeah. does work. It's like anti-inflammatory. Try it before you try Advil. Yeah. I mean, it's really like, that's, if there's one thing that I want people to, you know, to take from that story, it's things like Advil that look like they're, you know, it's so easy to access and people really just, like you were saying, people kind of just throw it around, you know, willy-nilly because it's over the counter and your doctor's like, oh yeah, you don't need prescription for that. You need to just be careful and you need to pay attention to how much you're consuming. Definitely you're not supposed to consume it with alcohol in your system. I mean, I do remember. Which I think the vast majority of people do because they're taking it for a hangover. Yeah. Or like back in the day, I would take it preventatively because somebody once told me if you take two Advil and drink a ton of water- The night before. The night before. Like when you go to bed after you've been drinking, But you'll wake up- And guess what? It did. It worked. It worked. Oh, yeah. To the detriment of my peptic lining. You're, You're, what is that expression? Robbing- Peter to pay Paul. Rob, Robbing Peter to pay Paul. Yeah, yes. it's sort of like yes. that. You're just hurting yourself. So <laughs> Peter was my stomach right. and Paul, Paul was, was my head. Your head. <laughs> so Paul was feeling good. But Peter is like, stop Peter was robbing like, I'm me. dying here. I'm dying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's what I learned. And uh, I'm glad to be here. And every November 1st, I celebrate as my rebirth day because that is the day that I almost died. And I'm glad to be here. Well, we're sure happy to have you. Yeah, that could be a little bit scary. You know, and you, just another lesson to everyone, like just you really do have to be your own doctor. You really, 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 really do. You have to be your own doctor before you even have an issue. Right. Yeah. And then once you do have an issue and you're in an emergency state, you, I mean, it's hard. You have to have an advocate. You have to just have to have someone there for you. That's right. That was the other piece of it too. Again, I was so incredibly lucky and fortunate and grateful that Brian is, you know, as diligent as he is about everything because that man sat in the hospital every single day for hours at a time with a notebook, asking all of the questions, taking all of the notes, all the things that I was definitely not equipped to even think about, let alone capture and, you know, and process. And had he not done that, I think that we probably would not have had, you know, the, the information that we came out with going forward. And you know, it's when you're in the hospital, especially in an emergency situation, there are like 30 different people coming in, asking you the same questions over and over again. They're taking that information and filtering it back to other... It's like there's no through line. There's no oversight there. And it's very, very scary. So I was in the hospital on, I don't know, a couple of days ago, visiting someone who yeah. also had 
a gastro issue and had the same incision in the same place, did the same procedure, except it was an intestinal issue, not from the stomach. Anyway, he was on day seven of IV drip and he had just gotten off of it. It just so happened while I was there, he was having his first like meal, mm. which consisted of like Pudding. jello yeah. and um and sorbet. <laughs> He's mean, an older gentleman, so he was kind of giddy about it. He was yeah. like, I feel like a kid again. Anyway, so I was like, I can't believe this is all you you're getting to eat. And so I, I walked out at one point and I was like to the nurse, I'm like, you know, is there any way he can get more more food? food. Like whatever. Yeah. And she was like, Oh yeah, he can have a sandwich later if he wants. This is his nurse that's been taking care of him. And I was like, you sure about that? Right. I was like, I'm pretty sure he's on a... Pretty oh, sure he just had uh, the tube like, removed. Because sure, he had it, right? He was intubated. But she literally was like, hmm. And she kind of cogged her head to the side. She's like, let me just go check his his stats or whatever one more time. And she did. She's like, oh, you're right. Yeah, he only gets... um, You know, but it's not like I could have gone and grabbed him a sandwich. But no, like, but the fact that it was that it, easy for her to just say that without checking. Right. And then she... Ch- I mean, she really like caught herself. But I guess the point is... I don't know. Maybe I had a sandwich in my bag. You know? <laughs> Some people do. And I could have gone back. panic sandwich. Yeah, I do know a person who carries around a panic emergency ham and cheese sandwich. He's <laughs> serious food panic. Anyway, so I, I could have, you know, could have given him a sandwich. I mean, she came back and she was like, no, no, yeah, he can't have, he could have right. some broth. Only liquids. <laughs> but you do have to, yeah, you have to be really, really careful. Ugh. When you're in the hospital, I mean... I mean, we don't it, even need to start talking about what they feed you in the hospital, well, which is completely antithetical. Just in general, when you're in the hospital, you're in danger. Yes. Yes. That you is, in danger, girl. You in danger. <laughs> Name the movie. Uh, ghost. Ghost. Molly, Whoopi you Goldberg. in danger, girl. <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> She's so good in that movie. So I feel like we good. should watch that again. I would love to. I need... Those are like comfort movies. <laughs> That's a comfort that movie. That is a comfort movie. You could watch it maybe throw some clay on the wheel. <laughs> All right. All right. But point being, when you're in the hospital, it's actually, you're supposed to be getting better and it's one of the unhealthiest places you can be. Well, it's just, it's it's a very dangerous place to be. Yeah, for sure. But it's interesting. So now you've come out the other end and it was a pretty powerful lesson and it has sort of like course corrected you in a pretty major way, I think, just in terms of you understanding what works for you, what you can eat, what you can't eat. And it's a pretty far place from where you were just a few years ago in terms of your diet. So mazels huh thanks yeah yeah so there's a silver lining it, it is a silver lining like i yeah. said i think it, it was a blessing in many ways it was also i mean i think it was a catalyst for our relationship too because it was kind of like if this guy is here in this like this was literally the definition of sickness and unhealth right and it was you know a month later that we oh, got Brian. engaged yeah yeah um, I think it was kind of like, okay, like this is actually, we're, we're in this and let's do this. And so all of these silver linings, I'm forever eternally grateful that I had a horrible diagnosis. <laughs> right. So he was like, you know. I'd be bummed I, if you weren't here. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, that suck. You know what? And we're all pretty close to the end. It's like, it's a, <laughs> you start so, looking mortality in the, in the eye, you're like, mm-hmm. hmm, maybe I should just make some life decisions. Exactly. Quick. That's really what happened. Yeah. So, well, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I don't have to change your your poop bag. But I me you too. should know that I would. Thank you, Zoe. I would. No one has ever said that to me before. I would change your poop bag too. The only mm. thing I won't really do is like I can't hold someone's hair back when they puke. I just I'm not I'm not that girl. <laughs> I'm not a puker. I can't really be there for you. But I, I will change your diaper. You don't have to hold my hair back because I'm not a puker either. So I would rather I'd rather have my stomach <laughs> explode than puke. <laughs> 
<laughs> I just can't. There's something. I think we share that. Uh, you know, like those people who could, we're, we're digressing a little bit, but you know, those people who could just like, yeah, just eat. They're like, feel oh, better. I feel so good. And they're like, ah. oh, I feel so much better. I'm I will like do anything. horrified. That is the worst. The gagging, the, thro- the, the, the whole thing it's is the like the worst, worst feeling in yeah. the world. Anyway. I would almost take another ulcer. Not really. Not really. Um, uh, over to well, you, Z. So that thank was basically, you for, yeah. Thank you for sharing. I, I mean, thank you for allowing me to indulge. It feels cathartic to be able to. Yeah. I think we're, we, we're, we're all learning a lot from your story. <laughs> no, um, I, I think it's a very valuable lesson. On the next episode, I'm going to share one of my learnings. Well, I think the learnings here, it all has to do with like, you think you're doing all the right things well and actually, you know, what are you missing or are you focusing on the right things? So I'm looking forward to hearing about your experiences with what you thought you were, how well you (laughs) thought you were. (laughs) All right. Till next time. Thanks for listening to HTW. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and make sure and rate us on iTunes. You can even give us five whole stars if you think we deserve it. If you have ideas for guests or topics, you can call our 1-800 number. Yes, we have a 1-800 number at 800-674-1839 or holler at us on social at HTW Podcast. You can also head to our website at hgwpodcast.com for more episode info and check out our Daily Blend blog to see what we're drinking.